meet yet. I didn't have the pleasure of meeting. Hello. Um, it's those who I've had the delightful pleasure of spending Shabbos with. Thank you for making it so enjoyable and for being so welcoming. Um, we're going to talk... I, I, F5, I believe it is. Can make it bigger? No, F5. Press F5. It's Apple. <coughs> oh, this is Apple? Yeah. Also, oh, it's not dynamic enough. It's interesting. Yeah. It's not actually open. It's looking at the email. I'm sorry? It's not actually open. You have to go into a program. Right. No, this is an Apple product, so they don't have PowerPoint here. You want to? You want to do the slides, but. What? I know. This is Keynote. Okay. Just leave it there. So. Is your document Keynote? No, my document is PowerPoint. Yeah. That, that's kind of like dating yourself also. It's like an AOL email address, you know. Um, okay, let's just get started, okay? Okay. Right, it won't be dynamic, but I get the stuff. Okay, good morning, everyone. Um, so I've always been fascinated with the, with the subject of, with the overall subject of personality problems. I'll tell you what, I'll be glad to email this to you, if you'd like. If anybody would like to have it, if it doesn't come across clearly, Rav Dov has it. Feel free to, uh, uh, you know, uh, pick it up from him. It's not proprietary. Feel free to use it in any way you can. So, <clears throat> just by way of background, I my name is Yaakov Horowitz. I live in Muncie. I'm 60 years old. I have been I had this first privilege to be in education all my life, almost all my adult life, and I, and my career. I started teaching the weakest track of an eighth grade in 1982 uh, at, the, at the age of 22 or so. Um, I did that for, for 15 years and I, I was, was constantly exploring how to reach these students. I, I had, again, I had eighth graders who had gone to, to yeshiva for, and, and learning Gemara, Talmud for, for um, allegedly, you know, they had supposedly been learning Gemara for, four, for three years already. This was their fourth. Many of them came extraordinarily frustrated because they weren't getting it. And in, in the yeshiva world, typically uh, <coughs> the Gemara, by the way, parenthetically, it was not like that. I went to Yeshiva Taravadas. It was not like that when I went to yeshiva. Just so you know, I've written many articles. I love Gemara, but... Um, I've many articles suggesting that we dial down the amount of Gemara that we learn in a mandatory way with all kids. And uh, to the way, when I went to Yeshiva in 12th grade in Yeshiva Tarvadas, Rabbi Yisrael Reisman, a lot of the public people that you, that you know went to Tarvadas and my, my, uh, my, uh, my contemporaries, we learned Gemara in 12th grade only two hours a day. Let me say it again, Michael's smiling. We learned Gemara two hours a day into, and we remained religious, believe it or not, <laughs> most of us. <laughs> um, and the rest of it, we, we also ended our day at 6 o'clock. Um, and after that was voluntary. And what, what it really meant is guys like me who were very restless and were not, oh, that's wonderful, thank you. So, Want to hand those out? What are those? Those are copies of this PowerPoint? No, it's copies of this PowerPoint. Okay, good. So, so feel free to thank you so much, Rabdar. Thank you. Um, so it's really important to understand this. And, I, I've been, you know, I may as well say it, I said it a few thousand times, I may as well say it again. I think the ideal setting would be where kids, all children learn Gemara for some time, <clears throat> and those who are great at it should have the luxury of learning a lot more of it. 
but you know, I, I think the fact that we're making, spending so much of the day learning something that really, honestly, between us, is people with certain personality profiles are very good at. It's really, it's really not that, it's pretty analogous to, to people who are good with numbers. Again, taking away the emotional component that we're just had a CMSS, right? You know, we're, we're very invested in the notion of learning Gemara, but um, Gemara really, people do well at it that have certain personality profiles. If some people are good with numbers, some people are not. And if you're not good with numbers, you can have a numbers tutor, you could have a smudge contest for numbers, you know, for accounting. If you, look, if, you went, if, you went, if you went to the local school here, went to a local public school, and you took the entire senior class and made them accountants, just think about it. What would that look like? What would that look like if you took everybody and with all these diverse profiles that we're talking about and you had them all concentrate in one area and told them that if you're real not good at this, you're just a failure. Now, again, I'm all in favor of Gemara. <laughs> Please, let me make it perfectly clear. But for some people, it's a challenge. For some adults, it's a challenge. And when I went to Tal, I'll tell you another thing. When I went to Tarvadas in Beis Medrash, the Rebel Yechazan Zatzal, who was perhaps the best Gemara mind I've ever met in my life, he gave shear. We were in our young, low 20s. We record the shear, take one-minute segments and work on it for a day. I mean, it was, it was like such a, on a totally different plane. So the, the kids who were great at Gemara went to his shiurim, the very advanced Gemara shiurim, and Rav Pam Zatzal gave a smicha shiur, which was a very different type of learning. It was more halacha. There was Gemara also there, but it was for different profiles. Anyway, Bottom line is that I had kids in my class that were, that really Gemara, for almost all of them, was a totally frustrating experience. And one of the things that I started exploring right away is um, what are their profiles? How can I present the same material in different ways, perhaps creatively, in order to see to it that they all have a better chance of succeeding? I also was very determined to, um, to, create the type of programming that would be able to introduce them to Gemara in a more systematic way. I donated some of my, some beginner Gemara books that I published. Uh, they're here, they will be or are here in the Shul Library. So please, I encourage you, it's called Bright, Be- Bright Beginnings. You can look it up, there's some free pages online. If you have uh, uh, samples on, on the website, if you have an Apple uh, computer, uh, I mean, a smartphone or tablet, you can go there, look up uh, Gamaro or Rabbi Spivak is the author. The sample pages there will give you an idea if you have a child struggling with Gamaro or you're, trying, you're teaching Gamaro or that's part of it, or any, uh, it might help you get a better understanding of it. Okay, so the, the goal is really to try to understand personality profiles um, of your students to help them succeed in school and life. And, I, and that's, by the way, my social media contacts, if anybody, oh, works. So I'm going to start off with a few stories. Can you see in the back, folks? Can you hear me? Because yeah. I'm not using the microphone. Don't forget. Wait, please. If, you don't, if, I, if, you, if for some reason you cannot hear me, I, I would very much appreciate it if you just holler. Um, so I'm going to tell you three quick stories, and then we'll jump into it. I was doing a talk on this. Um, in, in a, at, a, at a Pesach program a few years ago, a Pesach hotel program. Um, and I did the presentation that I'm about to show you now. And when, when, we, when I finished the, the talk, um, there was a gentleman there who was like, I saw was very eager to talk to me. I always make time 
best I can to wait and speak to him. So he came over and he said, Rabbi Harlitz, I never met you. He said, I would have been a few million dollars richer if I would have known you a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you what happened. So he says he's, a, he's an attorney, he has a firm that does mergers and acquisitions and he buys, he takes, either takes companies public or if somebody has an invention, or a new product, or a medical product, or a new technology device, um, he, he makes a shidduch between them and venture capitalists that invest in it, either buy it or take it public. So he says, so I'm dealing, so he said, I worked on a deal for, for a few years where an inventor had a, a very innovative medical product and um, <clears throat> he said, I found a company that was very interested in it. The, the CEO, the founder of this technology company, the guy who created it, would have walked away with over $50 million and he said, my cut was about five. Now, he said that we went through negotiations literally for a couple of years, there's so many details, you know, he works, how should he work for the company, what's enough time in it, how does it work, what's that, all well, his employees, you know, it's very complicated, he said, again, everything said, the night before we closed, he said, I made a meeting for, just to cover the details with, with the CFO, okay, the chief financial officer of the big company, talk about, you know, Venus and Mars, so this guy is a total numbers person that, that you know, works well with spreadsheets and organized and very, very, you know, someone that makes the financial office run well of this company. So he said there were three people. I was there, the CFO, the financial guy from the big company, and the CEO of the, of the, the, the inventor of this device who, who's running the small company that's about to get gobbled up. He says, I was told, I said, okay, so let's make sure, you know, the closing tomorrow goes well. So the CFO of the company takes a folder, he turns to the, bit, to the inventor, and he said, I prepared, here's what you need to do to have everything ready. He says, get this done, and we're all set. So you just take care of all of this. The C, the inventor jumps up and says, how dare you tell me what I should do for you? I didn't even start working for you. He got all emotional. And he, saw, he said, he was working with me, he said, do you know that I started this in my house and I didn't take salary for four years and I mortgaged my house for three years and I thought, dare you, you're my boss, you tell him what to do. Neither of them knew what the other was talking about. Meeting broke up, the, guys, the, guy, the, the owner walked away from 50 million bucks and he lost his commission. <laughs> so he said, if I wouldn't know what you were telling me, it would be so simple. I said, I didn't understand what was going on. He tells me, he says, I'm a pretty bright guy. <laughs> But he said, this whole thing just blew right on me, so I'm going to talk about it. What happened was the CFO was saying, when he sat down with the two of them separately, the CEO says, how dare he boss me around? Who's he to tell me what to do? And the Excel guy, the CFO, he said, this guy's very disorganized. He's an entrepreneur. He doesn't do papers well. He, doesn't, he can't find stuff every time we meet. He's, uh, you know, he's a genius, but he just doesn't find stuff. So I sat for seven hours and prepared every single thing in every area. I referenced them in different categories so he could find them, so he could talk to different people in his business because I was there. I made it so easy for him and he threw it back at me. They were talking different languages. The CFO thought he was doing what anybody, what he hoped somebody would do for him and the guy got insulted. Obviously, this is one example. The point is, folks, I mean, what I want to get eventually is to help everybody realize that the people we love in our family, 
in our, in our, our friends and family and students that we're teaching, we got some of this in our class. We got some of this and some of that. And this is these, these personality profiles are who, people honestly, folks, people are born like this. This is who they are. Um, hopefully, as they get, become adults, you can learn to manage it a little bit better. But this is basically who we are for life. So I, I'd like to I, help us identify ourselves first, try to work their way through the profiles, and try to help figure this out. Um, does anyone know that one about it? Did you get it from somewhere, or is it around? I brought place? it. You brought it. Is there any? Can I have somebody please? May I please? Now, try to guess my personality profile. Which kind of guy who has dry mouth when he speaks doesn't bring a water bottle to a talk? <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Which one of that? Okay, so, so let's go to the story two. My wife, Baruch Hashem, is... Ex- uh, um, I say this with her permission. She's extraordinarily organized. If she was here, I'd have a water bottle. Um, and, like, Baruch Hashem, you know, I have a whole... Thank you. Last night I was sharing a Torah on this, that why, why I think Hashem makes it that we marry people with different profiles. I had this all along, just for the record. <laughs> okay. Um, so my wife is, is the CFO there, okay? Um, she, she, re- she really said this. She said, Yankee, I got something for you. She was excited. She said, Yankee, this is going to change your life. And I said, really? Wow, that's amazing. And this is what it was. It was coasters for my desk. And thank God we're married almost 40 years now. This happened uh, five, six years ago. Like by that time, I knew to, you know, no expression, don't say anything, say thank you very much, this is amazing. <laughs> and, like, and later on, I said, you know, what made you think that, you know, this is really beautiful? <laughs> She says, you know, Yaki, I know you love to dry mouth, right? She says, you know, you love to drink, and I, I know it must bother you that those rings, <laughs> I don't even know, this, you know, it makes these rings on the, you know, I try to be polite, so I put it there, but like, I don't care about it. You know, but this is like, this is not going to change your life, okay? When I was young and foolish, I may have said, are you kidding me? <laughs> okay. Story three. Um... I started working on this personality profile thing more deeply, and I'm going to talk about it soon. I started by interviewing uh, folks in data collection, people who run credit card companies and, and mine information for it is beyond frightening how much they know about every one of you. It is terrifying. Um, but as I was exploring, I was invited to Chicago to lecture for Shabbos. Um, and at that time, I was working on a paper on personality profiles. Um, so the deal was, just like I did here, I, like, I love staying home. I, I enjoy traveling. I enjoy doing what I'm doing very, very much. Um, but I like to be home with my wife and family, so I usually try to take the first flight Friday morning. Um, you know, you learn after a while that bad weather, you do the earliest. So I took a 6 a.m. here, even though it was, you know, the weather was fine. But... Um, so I, was, I had a 6 a.m. flight to Chicago, uh, leaving uh, JFK, and it was snowing badly. And what that happened was they closed the airport at about 9 o'clock. They kept us on the plane. And at about 9 o'clock, they announced, listen, um, we're closing the airport down. They had several, a dozen or two dozen planes that were in the position we were. Everybody boarded at the gates. 
and they were doing the de-icing thing. They said, look, if you want to go, you can go now. If you want to stay in the plane, we're going to try to get these planes out. So bear with us. You know, so I was in touch with the folks in Chicago. So uh, I, I said, look, I'll stick it out as long as I can. Stayed for a few hours, being a little bit of a restless out-of-the-box guy. The first thing I did is I waited till somebody from business class left their seat. <laughs> I jumped in here, I had a nice seat, it was comfortable. You know, and at least I was able, and I was doing my work on personality profiles. That's why I'm just it's relevant to the story. Anyway, so I announced some point in time, 12, 1 o'clock, Shabbos is at 4 o'clock, right? I gotta get home. So they announced, airport's closed, forget it, we're not getting out, everybody leave. Now, the taxi cab lines were pre-Uber, the way it works is taxis drop off, taxis pick up. If the airport's closed from 9 to 12, there's no drop-offs. So there's no taxis, no taxis coming because they're not getting out in the snow for no reason. Okay? So you have a few thousand people headed to the door with no, uh, right? <laughs> with no cabs coming in. So I walk out the door, that line, my grandmother had a Yiddish expression, as the line did the Yiddish Golis. This is as long as the Jewish exile, you know, like 2,000 years. That was long. I thought of it when I, walk, I walked out there, and like, it was three times there. You, you couldn't see the end of it, and it was really funny because it was snowing sideways. It was freezing. And, and people got out, and he was like, with the taxi? Yeah, okay. So you'd see like 10 people come out, everybody goes to the back of the line. They're probably still defrosting by, you know, a few years later. All went to the back. And every once in a while, you'd have somebody with my personality profile come and say, what are you, nuts? I'm not getting on that line, you crazy? I'm never gonna be out here. And I started watching the people, I shouldn't perhaps be more concentrated on getting home. I started watching the people who were scrambling, the folks like us, like it was almost like a convention of out of the box ADD guys, guys and gals trying to figure out how to get home. It was really hysterical. And people were running, you know, guys were pulling up with the signs, you know, the signs are, you know, trying to get on. Anyway, so I said, oh, this is not going to work, Yankee. You got to think for a minute, turn off your brain. So I went back into the, I went back into the, where it was warm inside. I said, okay, Yankee, you're doing this wrong. Don't go outside with all the other guys. Don't get online, for sure. But don't scramble around with them. Think differently. Okay, who's going to find some? This went, went on in a second. Like, so I said, okay, um, you need to find, the profile is you need to find someone who doesn't have a care in the world because they have somebody waiting for them. So look for someone with a $2,000 suit who is walking very slowly and has absolutely no carry-on because the company sent the suit to London in advance so they could press it for his meeting so he doesn't, he or she, whatever. So I said, follow that guy out and then you'll, I don't know what you'll do, but you figure something out. That's the best shot you got. So I waited a couple minutes. These two guys came, I'm much like out of central casting. These two guys came along, just like, hey, anyway, I was telling Joey, you know, they were just walking by. Everybody was running like crazy. Yeah, I said, yeah, now we're saying, anyway. The Armani suit, the whole spiel, 500 bucks shoes, you know. And I, I followed them out to the car. They had a limo waiting for them. They actually didn't go to the regular spot. They, I, I didn't even know it existed. They went to some other place where the guys go. Anyway, <laughs> may God forgive me. I'm not proud of this. My point is you, all of you probably have one kid like me in your class. That's the point, okay? So I stood in front of the car. Just like this. So the guy opened the door. says, what are you doing? I said, listen, I got to get home. Do me a favor. I'll pay for a third of the ride. Just tell the guys, please, I'm not leaving. Please get me in the car. The guy was like, starts cursing at me and screaming. 
So, one, so I said, listen, if you run me over, you're going to have to file a police report. You're going to be here forever. Take me in the car. What's your point? <laughs> anyway, the guy, one guy opens up back and says, what the hell is going on here? And he says, this madman is standing in front of the car. He says, what are you doing here? I said, i got to get home. What do you want from me? you got to get a limo. I said, I'll pay for a third of whatever limo is. Get me home. My family's in Rockland County. Come on. He says, I like this guy. <laughs> he calls me in the back of the limo. Um, he... he didn't take any money from me. We were schmoozing the whole time. I, I could have got a dedicated building for my yeshiva. I don't know what I was thinking. But like, we had this great schmooze, and they didn't take a penny from me. They gave the guy $100 and said, take him home. Yeah, take him to the train. He took me to my shop. I got home in time for Shabbos. Now, okay? I see on your face that you don't have my personality profile. Is that right? No, no, Both of you. <laughs> While I was telling this story, I was watching this. What did you say? You would do exactly that. She, are you, okay, you're going to be my two subjects in a few moments. Do you have the same personality profile? We're both from Washington Heights, that's why. What did you say? No. And you, and you remind her. But do you remind her? Okay, so I was, I promise you, I was watching your faces while I was saying, and I, I could tag at least half of you on your foreheads and how your brains work. Because, what's your name, please? Back, one, two rows from the back. You, you. No, her, her. You don't, you don't know your insurance or you know your name. What do you got? She's Ruth, I'm Debbie. Right, Ruth, Debbie. So, Ruth. A number of you were roots that were just looking on in horror. Like, what is this guy doing? Get him out of here. What did you say? I actually really admire it. I want to be that. Like, <laughs> you are who you are. I'm sure you're great at what you do, like knowing insurance. You need insurance, right? But it didn't mean horror, like, oh, what's this madman? You were just looking at it, like, oh my God, how do you think that And people, some of you were going, that guy, that's great. I would have done something better. <laughs> So, this is story number three, and now let's go. By the way, the, okay, so what I'd like to talk to you about like this, I'd like to talk to you about understanding profiles, yourselves and then your students, okay? I also really encourage you to think about finding an answer key. This is what I called it, and the only way that I survived um, doing working with, with, with my students who really were extremely resentful to rabbis and, and yeshiva and learning by the time they got to eighth grade already because they were so frustrated at the yeshiva experience. What helped me survive this is I always thought to myself, every kid has an answer key and they're all different. An answer key means to figure out why they're doing what they're doing or why they're not succeeding in school. Each one has an answer key. Yankee, you're not doing a thing until you find the answer key. No intervention. Because you're just going to, you have to figure it out first. And I, I encourage you, with your students, with your children, that you're trying to make it work or stuff. Uh, or yourselves in certain areas, if you're having trouble remembering your insurance. <laughs> what? You're all, you're right. We're gonna, I'm going to get you two up here in a few minutes. We're going to have fun with this. Okay. So, um, and stay away from binary thinking. We often tend to think, we say, well, a kid is a student or not a student. They learn or they don't want you. He or she, they, they like school or they don't. They're, they're interested in learning in Yiddish or Hebrew. We say cheshek. They have desire to learn or they don't. Um, so get away from the binary thinking and think more in terms of an answer key. Why is it not working? 
Why is this? And, and hopefully it'll help you expand your knowledge to other areas also. For example, one of the things that I often get, I hear this, um, again, most of the people who reach out for help, unfortunately, I don't have the time. I, I switched my life mostly to doing preventative things, like preventing child abuse with my child the safety book and preventing kids from falling out of learning by doing my Chumash and Gemara books. I really don't have the time to deal with individual folks like I used to, which pains me, but um, when, when I did much more of this, people would call me, I, I don't know who they are. Like, I don't know them, I don't know the schools, I don't know the kids. So you learn to listen for patterns. And sometimes by listening for certain things, you can really tell, for example, when someone says something like, you know, our son, uh, our son's in fourth grade, um, the fourth grade Rebbe rocks. Everyone in the yeshiva loves this Rebbe, and we were so much looking forward, expecting our son this is going to be his breakout year. He's going to have his Rebbe that he loves. And it's been a disaster. And everybody loves him. And our other two kids did so well. So the binary thinking is he hates the Rebbe or the Rebbe hates him or Rebbe whatever it is. Or, and I'm maybe they just have different personality profiles. Maybe there's something in the way they're communicating. So that's my, what I'd love as an outcome is to have you include this in your thinking as you explore your own lives, your personal relationships. And, whoops, sorry about that. Um, and, and like, I, no, this is really the same. And then develop the sixth sense to try to, to uh, uh, factor this information in, as you're trying to figure out the academics and the behavior. Um, in Yiddish, there's a word called andrish and nachamol. Andrish means different differently, or Nachama means again, and this is just, you know, a lot of these are, are you know, transformational moments in my own, uh, in my own career that, that got me thinking about this. One of the things that triggered me very much uh, 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 about realizing the power of this, um, I got a call from a, <coughs> a Hasidic couple in Brooklyn. Um, I feel bad that I never followed up on the kid. The kid must be like 40 years old now, 30 years old. But I would have loved to follow up with him. He's probably one of the most self-aware kids that I've ever dealt with through the parents. What happened was this kid was in ninth grade, and he, um, he, the, the, what we got the call, the phone call sounded like the parents were saying that my son went nuts. This, just like, like a dibuk, like a, uh, how do you say dibuk in English? A ghost, a spook, you know, what? Possessed, thank you. He got, thank you very much. Um, he, he got, he's like possessed. He went crazy. He's sitting, sitting on his bed for, for well over a month, refusing to go to yeshiva anymore. <clears throat> okay, so what happened? Here we go. I don't know the kid. I don't know the school. I don't know the parents. I don't know anybody. So I said, tell me what happened. So he said that I went, he, he said that, uh, the parents said, that um, he started ninth grade, he was very excited to be starting in high school, and he had a Rebbe that he really liked, and he flunked the examination, the first Talmud exam, he flunked very, very badly. How would you say if, the, if his mark was the temperature, you need a winter coat? <laughs> you know, like it was really, he really was, did very, very poorly. And the Rebbe, was a wonderful guy, offered to learn and study with him privately. And he studied with the Rebbe, and he failed again. And he tried it a third time, the same test. And at that point, it was too painful, and he said, I'm not doing this anymore. So 
what happened was I said, please tell me what he said. I need your help. Get, think, think. I know you probably might not have been paying attention because it sounded like gibberish, but I need to know what he said. So he said, so the father says, it's funny, you know, I've not even mentioned it. He kept on saying, he says, the Rebbe lent with me, nachamol, nachamol, nachamol. He's studying with me again and again and again. He says, ich darf nicht nachamol, ich darf anders. He said, I don't need it again, I need it differently. And, and he said, I said, what else did he say? He said, the father says, he, he, and the father says, really, they were great parents. I, 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 the father started crying. He said, he said, and when, when later in the conversation, he said, I, I messed this up so badly. I said, look, you care, you call, you'll make it right. And he said, he said like, I didn't know what he was talking about. Then he says, he says, says Altsverte. it's all words. So his father said, like, duh. No, he didn't do like duh. He said, like, duh. <laughs> Whatever he said. He said, you know, he said, like, what do you mean? Gemara's words, what do you want? So the kid obviously was a visual learner, right? Or, or, or an auditory learner, and the words weren't working for him. And he needed to learn it a different way because he was looking at these words and it wasn't, they, none of them meant anything to him. So, so that's the point. When a student or you yourself are, are finding something or your kids or a loved one um, aren't doing well in, in certain areas, just encourage you to think about what does, what does Andrish look like? What could it look like? And what, how can you present the same information to the children or your students or a child that you're trying to help who's struggling do this and and by the way, just like we had that, uh, I mentioned that story to you about the entrepreneur who wasn't able to speak, um, uh, you know, who wasn't able to speak the language of the CFO. This has a lot to do with actual how your relationships work, because if if you two folks learned how to communicate with each other, but if you're gonna, if you're talking, I'm, I'm going to give you an example soon of what it looks like. Um, of what it looks like when you have, let's say, an emotional-based conversation with a rational thinker. And we'll get to that as it relates to your classrooms as well. So, so let's get going. Um, so here I'm going to ask questions about yourselves. Am I ask, forget your students for a moment, forget your families, just you. Are, how would you describe yourself, Excel or Word? I, that's my term, that's Yankee. That's Yankee speaking for analytical or emotional. Are you, if you want... Um, what would appeal to you more, an emotional um, argument or a rational argument? If, if you, do you, do you tend to think, and I write Excel a word because typically, you know, an Excel person, an analytical person, likes Excel spreadsheets, you know, the, the numbers and the, Excel? Ma'am, you're not Excel. Okay, maybe I'll get somebody else up here. Okay, so think about yourself. Are you Excel or Word? I'm going to ask for an Excel and Word volunteer soon. Okay, do you color inside the lines or do you think out of the box? What's your first reaction? Do you get on that taxi line or do you run around scrambling, trying to find a different way to do things? When you, you know, do you, um, again, this is who you are. Are you a starter or a closer? Do you get excited when you start a new project or do you make lists? And love, you like your list person? I saw you smile. See, I'm watching your faces, folks. I'm learning about you. I know who you are. You were smiling when I said that. Why is that? Tell me. I live my life with lists. You live your life with lists. My wife, had, her lists have lists. I once, I, I, I horse around with members of my family. They, hopefully they love me for... So I grabbed my wife's list. She had a whole bunch of lists. I promise, I promise you, I asked the permission. I promise you, she said, she says, yeah, Yankee, write your own list and play with them. 
Like, like I took away something that was a. I, I just I gave it back. But I just yanked through it. She said, yeah, "Go write your own list." I, I'm not on the list since I was born. Anyway, but I saw you smile when you said it. So, but that's how how does this work? Are you a starter or a closer? Do you have emotional fulfillment when you say, "I knocked this stuff off my list," or do you just love a new project and I get somebody else? Fin- you like starting stuff. I saw that. Right? Why just why, tell me about it? What does that mean? Ideas all over the place. Ideas all over the place, and you love a creative new idea. Now the idea is you can hand it off to her. Do you two know each other? <laughs> okay, so your job is to find someone like her to be able to just hand it off. Okay, so you get excited by new things. New things might give you a headache. Don't tell you. Oh, you're saving the world. You got all these. Do me a favor. Tell me what you want me to do, and I'll do it. Okay. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? If I called on you to say something in front of the crowd, would you love it? Or would you just, okay? So what do data collections know about you? Let's talk, how do you convey this information to others? So I've been doing this for a while and I love doing this. I love watching, I like new ideas. I love doing this presentation and watching like different light bulbs go off and some of you going like this when I talk about something that you don't like. But how do they, what's the data here? When do you pick up your shirts at the dry cleaner? Skirts, pants, whatever. When do you pick up your dry cleaning? Do you drop it off Tuesday and pick it up Thursday? If you do, then I know. You're, you're, when do you drop off your dry cleaning? Tuesday. Tuesday. <laughs> and when do you pick it up? Friday. Friday. At what time? 9 a.m. What? 8 30. Oh, wow. You're, you're wanting on the wild side. <laughs> Sometimes it's 8 30. Whoa. Okay. So if I had your credit card information, I would I'd get you right away. I don't have to talk to you. Right? <laughs> Seriously. I know that your dry cleaning is picked up Tuesday, Friday between, I'm sorry, wild side 8 30, generally between 9 and 9 10. <laughs> okay. So. This information, they track this information about you. Um, here's a good one. How often do you go back to the same store? Never, right? So meaning, same store that they see a purchase on your credit card. Uh, what, what's it, Kroger's? What do you call it? The Kroger's. You got to give Michelle from what the guy's like. Right, so you go to Kroger's there, you have a bill for $212, and then 20 minutes later is a bill for... $18, and then five minutes after that is a bill for $4. Anybody in that category, raise your hand, please. <laughs> okay, there you go. Look at the look on horror. Oh my God, she was not, I promise, she was going like this. Oh my God, what a bunch of losers. <laughs> what are you doing yet? What's your name? Ellie Shelley, you're getting up there soon. Okay, so while you were all saying, that's me, <laughs> the ones that, yeah, I do that. She was, <laughs> okay, so they check this stuff. That means you don't have a list, right? Okay, and how do they use that information? So what they do is they design ads that appeal to your, your. I, I, you know, it's so funny that I couldn't even find a more recent ad for mileage because the real since the gas crisis has never been. Well, I'm dating myself. In 1973, there was this big gas crisis, and people were waiting on lines around the block. That was the last time you really saw such a big ad for. For, uh, you know, for mileage, that was such a big deal. So this, what type of ad is this? This appeals to rational thinkers. This is a logical reason. This tells you nothing if you're a rational thinker. This is like, what are you, 
driving on the road, but to an emotional-based person, yeah, that's me going around the curve, you know, right? So I took out the pictures that show the person next to you driving the car, but you know, but you get the idea. This is a, a visual image of how to do this. So are you analytical? Are you emotional? Is that you? You know, the person like me, you cry at the drop of a hat, or, or are you excel? You know, one of the fascinating things, I actually put it on my social media, um, Rav Shmuel Kamenesky Shlita, uh, one of the leading sages in, in the Torah sages in North America, has been our postdoc, our rabbinic advisor in my organization for 23 years. I have never, he is a, a Balmusser, and you know, from Slobodka, his father, you know, there was a certain control of one's emotions. The, the line in, 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 certain, in the circles was that a person's face is a Rishasarabim, a person's face is a public domain, and the heart is a private <coughs> domain. And if you express your emotions in public, it's not, not for the public, that's, that's a private thing. You know, especially if you're showing that you're upset, the line was, <coughs> it's a barbish Rishasarabim, it's a day, you're putting something down, you know, if you're upset about something and you're angry or disturbed or whatever, I mean, disturbed like that, but you know, if you're, if you're upset about something, <coughs> And you walk around with a sour face, you're making a bar bisha sarabim. That was the, in, the, in the world of Musr. I'm sorry? There's a bar bisha A bar is a, is, a, a is a pit. Thank you. I didn't explain. I tried to explain all the words. Thank you. A bar is a, is a pit. So it's like digging a hole in a public area because you're causing other people to experience effect. In fact, some of the comments are why you cover your eyes during Shema because you may crunch up your face with Kavana. And well, obviously, a lot of different reasons for it. One of the reasons given is that, you know, that's something we should be private about. So we know Shema, you're going to hopefully get engaged at that, and you might make these faces, so cover your face. That's not the only reason, but a reason given. Rav Shmuel is, I've had this chos, the privilege of speaking to him hundreds of times in person on the most challenging, difficult questions that I've had to ask him. He's always been so in control. If you have a video, if you can look on my social media, I posted it up. If you look at the video of Rav Shmuel doing the scene, I cried. <laughs> I cried watching him. I was there with my son and my grandson, and they both asked me, is everything okay, Tom? I watched Rav Shmuel. I, I never saw a hundredth of that. I saw him breaking down in front of 90,000 people. Did you see it? I don't know if you watched it. You saw him do it? You, did you see his happening? He was, it, I was so, it was like an out-of-body experience watching this man that I, Baruch Hashem, to spend so much, the privilege of spending so much time with, like he kind of lost it. He, and he kept on trying to control himself. And he's the gravity of the moment. He's 95 years old. I wonder what he was thinking about, you know. I was trying to think what he could possibly think, be thinking there. Um, it was, I'm getting emotional talking about it, watching this unbelievably rational tzaddik who's, I mean, he's such a, ge- let me give you a quick example. You want to regardless of his greatness. The first time, I first started Project Yes. Oh, I didn't, I'm sorry. Okay, thank you. I'm, I'm having too good of a time. Okay, I'll, I'll move on. Thank you. Um, very quickly, because I said I'd started. I was, about, I was in my high 30s, mid-30s, when I started Project S. And every time Rashmul would greet me, he would shake my hand. <clears throat> One time, I walked into an Agoda convention with there were thousands of people there. And Rashmul hugged me and kissed me when he met me the first time during that convention. And I was so surprised. It, just made, it was out of character, and it didn't make sense in the context. <clears throat> it took me a while to realize afterwards, I was deconstructing it in my head. One of our goodest Balabak and one of our goodest biggest donors met Rashmul before me. 
and he hugged and kissed him, he knows Shmuel for 50 years. And he's a big supporter of the Agoda. And I think Shmuel didn't want me to feel that I'm a 35-year-old guy that's in Chenach, and he, that he treated him more warmly than me. And since then, he's greeted me the exact same way. And this is a man who meets thousands of people. I mean, he's just, whatever. Anyway, so, so let's, let's go. So, if I were giving you, <clears throat> I'm, I'm a little more cognizant at the time. I'm, I'm sorry, I, whatever, my apologies. If I were, I'm going to do it with all of you together. Usually I bring people up there and, and you get to see their faces. It's really funny. But here is a presentation of how if I were doing the solicitation, now that I know you people, I would know which one would be more effective. But I can present information to you about a solicitation for a gift. So if I was soliciting a $50 gift to provide child safety books to an early childhood classes, okay? Imagine if I was doing the presentation and I was trying to get one of you to kick in $50 to provide child safety classes, uh, child safety books for preschools. So the word version would sound something like, maybe raise your hand if it speaks to you. You know, think of it which is more effective. So the word version sounds something like, um, could you just imagine what it would feel like if, if you knew that you prevented a child from being abused? Just imagine, I got you. Um, imagine what it would feel like if, you know, I once did this, I could actually show you a headline of a school that found an abuser because I got a grant to give out free books. Imagine what it would be like knowing that you were the one that contributed the money for that. And imagine in 10 years from now if you were able to see the future and, and see what, and a rational version is, says, yeah, you know, don't you, you know, charity giving is so not strategic. Yeah, doesn't, doesn't make you crazy? That, you know, people, you're nodding your head, Avichai training, <laughs> Michael stopped nodding his head. The first words I said that, Michael worked Avichai, he does the Yassi Prager, Yassi would be doing the same thing. Uh, let me talk, watch Michael's face, guys. He knows that I'm messing with him. He, I'm saying schmuck. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let him change. Watch his face, guys. Doesn't make you crazy that the, I could raise $10,000 by tomorrow morning for drugs you have for a kid for a month, which is just very important. But to try to get something like this that's it makes so much sense and it's such rational use of money. And we follow 990 because, you know, the charity dollars are important. Everything, we have no metaphysical role in our organization because we feel that you, how many go, Michael? Half of you, he has other questions. <laughs> do you do a needs assessment afterwards? Do you have metrics to measure? Yeah. Now, look at him, look at him, look at him, look at him. Do you have metrics to measure that it's actually effective, this book? Look at him, 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 look at him. Do you have metrics to measure? I mean, you even got this money, you're spending more money that, that you know, I'm in charge. Sanford Bernstein put me as a trustee of, of his money, and you're saying, oh, Horowitz, he talks a good game, Horowitz. I don't know, do you really, does it help, actually? And so you said, you mentioned one school. Big deal, huh? so who said that's going on to other schools? Okay, so you have a Word and an Excel version of that same discussion. I figured this out the hard way, because I made many presentations to people that should have succeeded and didn't, and I wasn't talking, I'm naturally a word person, and I didn't have a business plan. And I went to, I remember early on in my career, I would go to somebody and tell them, you know, this kid's dying, of, you know, whatever, and they'd say, bring me a business plan. 
I said, what are you? What's a, you have a heart? What's the matter with you? I'm sitting here crying to you about the thing. A business. And he's right, because if I don't have a business plan, I'm going to waste the money. I'm not going to spend it well. So this is what it sounds like. There's an emotional appeal and, and a rational appeal, why it's good. You could do this about cleaning up your room. And here's where it really relates to parents. Uh, uh, I, I can't right now. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm, I'm pressed the time. The, the rational, try these two versions of cleaning up your room. Um, cleaning up your room in, do you need the room, guys? I'm, no, no, no. Oh, so do you need a, you can take it. Just take it. If you need it somewhere else, go ahead. Um, the, the rational argument for cleaning up your room sounds like, hey, listen, let's try it on my, what? Uh, thank you. <laughs> I got to take you around. Yeah, excellent. So, um, a, a rational reason for, for, let's see if it might work for Michael. A rational thing is clean up your room is, listen, my mom's going to kill me if I don't make it clean. You're my teenage son, okay? You're going to have to clean up your room. It's Friday. Okay? So, look, you can argue with me for 15 minutes and then spend three minutes cleaning up, or you can just do three minutes clean up. Do take it. Three or 18, what's it going to be? Okay. And an emotional reason is, do you know, do you remember those, the curtains in your room, those drapes? You know, mom made them herself because when she was pregnant with you, she was saying to herself, I want the room to be so perfect. And do you know what it would mean, Michael's rolling his eyes, do, do you know what it would mean to mommy if you just went and cleaned up the room? You know, she puts her heart and soul into this. Okay, so you have the same situation that causes some people, and when you start to try this, if you have it now, I want you to go back and start carrying this information home. Think about talking to a particular child of yours when you make this rational, ar- this emotional argument. And the kid says, Ma, would you please tell me what I should be doing now? And you say, how dare you talk to me like that? Don't you care? I'm pouring out my heart to you. It's a different world. Okay, so the, the experiences of how the people think um, are so extraordinarily important. So think about this information in terms of education. Um, people typically take those pages and go through the handouts you know, to look through the pages, and I'll be glad to send you an email. The, the, there are many other variations of this, but there are basically three major ways that people acquire information. One is by reading, which we call a textual learner. Uh, it's in the handout. Feel free to look through. The auditory learners learn best when they're listening. And, um, and then you have visual learners who learn best when they, when they see things. You can extrapolate from this, let's say, for example, if you get a new technological device, some people like reading the manual, some people want somebody else to tell it to them. I can't read this stuff, just tell it to me. And some people need to watch a YouTube video and then they'll remember it for life. Kinesthetic learners learn by doing things, there are many other Variations. If you're guys, if you watch somebody in the study in a, in a, in a Bismedrish when people learn Gemara, you, you really can see it very vividly. Sometimes when the Gemara gets very complicated, um, a, a textual learner will close their ears and look into the Gemara and say, Don't talk to me, I'll tell the study partner, Shh, quiet, please, and they'll just read the words again and again. An, an auditory learner will typically will, will, which will close their eyes and say, Can you say that again, please? And a visual learner will will make graphs and charts and diagrams. In our Gemara books, we made sure to provide each of them. So, so you have, and, and in your classrooms, there are lots of creative ways where you can present this information um, to children in ways that, that appeal to the different sides of their learning. 
Um, so it doesn't mean that you need to totally redo everything you've done in life. It's really a nuance, and it's knowing, trying to anticipate. Just like, look, I, I've been doing this for a while, and I happen to get energy from new ideas, so I like watching your faces. But if you go back to your classrooms and look around at the kids, you can try it by just putting up textual information and look who looks at it and who looks away. And you can try, put, try it, take the same, whatever you're, you're teaching, you're picking a picture of the Revolutionary War, you're, you're teaching American history and you do the Revolutionary War, and you're talking about Valley Forge, you could use your words to talk to them in the auditory way, you can give them a paragraph to read, or you could put a picture of the freezing guys on the side of the Delaware River. So those are all ways that you can um, do this. Finally, and I'm a little bit out of time, um, have a look at this, folks. <clears throat> this, is really, this is really frightening. If you want to know how, this is my wife's learning pattern and mine. If you look at the end of those, um, mine is first. Is, it, very briefly, there, there, are, there are other more updated uh, personality profile tests. I took this because it's very visual. <laughs> Guess why? And, and those four domains are different areas of, uh, you can see that it says synthesizer means pulling together dis different pieces of information, trying to weave a thread out of it. Like, for example, noticing that people are getting abused and exhibit certain tendencies. That's something I do very well. Uh, this is a pinky craft. They have to be out of business already. But, but they are, this great stuff, so just through Google, there's Bridge Myers, there's other, they have a lot of letters there that make some people crazy like me. But the, 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 I mean, there's great stuff out there. Take any of them, um, and, you know, and, and if you look at the next page, that's my wife's profile, which is like exactly the opposite. You can't see it over here. That, that area over here is actually red in the bottom left quadrant. That means my wife's brain stops hurting when she gets into the area that I like best, uh, that would make it work best. And by the way, you'll find mostly that most of us wind up marrying people with, with completely different personality profiles. I believe in some way it's Hashem's goal of making us better people, and it also helps what we need. It was fascinating when I gave, took this personality profile test, and my wife and I took this, I took it to my yeshiva department heads. Every single department head of mine had my wife's profile. Every single one. I didn't test them when they came in, but, and I, I may not even been self-aware in that way, but I needed people in, that could make the buses come on time and make sure I have water up here, or, you know, all of that stuff. So, so um, this is really, uh, you read this, if you know me, it, it's, it's terrifying how well this stuff works. So, so you know, I, I, what, I, what I would love, what I, what I would absolutely love is that, you know, my outcome was to get you to just think more deeply about this idea, study it, this so much good material about reading, about how to prepare lessons in different ways, how to problem solve. One last thing in a, in a practical way um, is that um, one of the things that I started doing right away in my own yeshiva, and again, I was a kid and it, it's terrible. Thank, thank to Avichai, I, I was able to go to the Harvard Principals Program, which, which had an incredible impact on my life. I participated in Torah Masora Senior Leadership Program that Avichai was a partner in, for which I'm always grateful, um, and the Mandel Institute. But I really went to Yeshiva, it was criminal. I was 22 years old, they had no professional training, which I made sure when I hired Rabbeim that they that we provided it or made sure they had it in advance. But intuitively, you know, 
when I gave out the Gemara, the first round of Gemara test, every single kid failed. And I didn't hand out the test. And I tried it a different way, and they all failed again. Then what I decided to do is I, I gave out three tests. I took the same information. I had one test on translation for Gemara. One test on um, understanding of the Gemara questions of who says what. And, and the third one was follow the bouncing balls of the logical sequencing of the Gemara. And what I discovered almost immediately, and watching the children's faces, Michael was amazing, they, everybody failed at least one, but everyone did well on one of them. And it, it, all of a sudden, my test, instead of being a pain in the neck, it became diagnostic now. Because the children were able to say, hey, I know this very well, and I'm horrible at the translation, let's see, or I'm great at the translation, and I lose the bouncing ball. And what I did with them then, and again, I did this the first year already, I, I said, I'm going to meet with each of you privately, I'm going to set goals for the next two months. For some of you, if you're not good at reading, I'm going to tell you, don't concentrate on translation, bring in English tomorrow, I don't care. Leave that for the next two months. We'll concentrate on what you're good at. For some of you, I'll do this. Let's talk about it. And I met with the kids to do it differently. So I'm saying, eat the same tests that you're giving. If you look in our tomorrow book, we have the, home, the homework sheets are all different types of learning profiles. I, I don't think I brought them in. I was kind of a rush. I'll bring those books in. Where's my next class? In this room? Next door. So I'll bring a few, uh, the Gemara books, if you want to look around to get some ideas. I hope, um, I hope you found this entertaining also, but most importantly, <laughs> the nicest thing you can tell me is, Yankee, you really got me thinking. Thank you so much, guys. Be well. <laughs> Thank you, Rabbi Horowitz, for Horowitz's next trip. It's going to be in Heritage Hall. Just make a right and go down the hallway. I just wanted to note that uh, this forum, the Educators Forum, it was made possible by the support of the financial support of the schools. But the reason why the shul uh, was intent on making this happen was to con both the material that is invaluable and will surely help and, uh, as, as you think about it and grow from it, but also to give over the message of how important uh, educators are to our community, who are the foundation of our community. And uh, we are very happy to partner with the schools in putting this on. And uh, the thank you really goes to all of you. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'll, I'll tell you, if we're going to a different room, if, if you folks are coming, uh, um, I'll bring